Swain though from the throw. Lewington made room for the shot. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast I am delighted to welcome this individual on the show today. He made 87 appearances for the club scoring four goals and he was part of the Chelsea side that won promotion in 1977. Here is Ray Lurrington. Ray, welcome to the show, how are we? Very well, thank you. Good, delighted that you're on the show. Um, Good to be I would like to start the interview if I can Ray by asking cast your mind back to when you started your career and what influences did you have when it came to deciding to become a, a professional footballer? Well, I had one of them dads that um, he was just, everything was football. He, he was only a Sunday league footballer, um, but his enthusiasm for the game was unbelievable. I always remember um, my mum telling a story the first weekend after they got married, she was um, uh, made her first Sunday roast and dad went out to play for the A team in the morning got told that the B team was short in the afternoon for a player and of course them days there weren't phones or anything like that so um, dad without telling mum went and played for the B team in the afternoon this was due in about one o'clock got in about six o'clock and uh, they always got on, on that way after that <laughs> mum knew that, he's, that football was second best. He just loved football and he dragged all them. I mean, he had uh, four boys, was four boys, even my sisters um, are football mad. Um, but all of us, we had no alternative but to enjoy football, uh, which we obviously did. And Dad always, whenever we played for a team, he would always be there. He'd never miss any of our games. He was just totally supportive and, you know, anything you did. And so our love for football really came through our dad. And growing up as a kid, who were your idols growing up while you was watching football? Well, the early ones, uh, you know, when you first start watching, you know, I was 10 years old when England won the World Cup. So immediately the West Ham trio, uh, you know, suddenly Bobby Moore, Martin Peters, Jeff Hurst. Um, so for a little while I was sort of West Ham supporter I loved, liked to watch West Ham purely because of them three uh, because I always played Saturday I, I hadn't really seen too, no, too many professional games my uncle took me along to Fulham occasionally but I hadn't seen uh, had too many games so my real influences uh, was when I went started training at Chelsea at, at 10 years old and turned my attention to Chelsea's first team Alan Hudson I still think probably was the best player in the world uh, at, when he was first in the team. Um, but they had such a fantastic team, that, that side that we watched with all the ones that, you know, household names of Ozzy and, and Johnny Orleans and Peter Houseman and Ian Hutchinson. You could go on and on, Cookie and all that. And luckily, you know, managed to play with a couple of them who were, who were my heroes growing up. So 
that was great. But it was basically the Chelsea players that were my heroes. And as you say, you came through the ranks at Chelsea from an early age. What was the youth team like back then as you was growing up? We were very good. Um, what I mean, the, the, the unbelievable thing about Chelsea was that um, when all of us went into that first team, um, we'd come through virtually together. So we'd won the Reserve League together. We'd run, won the South East Counties League all together. And it was all the, the same faces that went on to make the first team, Ray Wilkins, Clive Walker, Tommy Langley, Steve Wicks, Johnny Sparrow, etc., etc. All them guys, we come through winning the South East Counties, then the Reserve League, and then we're put into the, into the first team. And, um, you know, got promotion to then the first division. So it was a brilliant time in our lives. And probably I've never actually looked back to, to have a look. But in them sort of seasons leading up to getting into the first team, we probably didn't lose more than 10 matches in three years. Because um, uh, we'd, we'd won the league with every team that we'd, we'd gone into. So fantastic time uh, growing up. And on the 21st of February 1976, you happened to make your Chelsea debut against Notts County. What are your memories of that occasion? Do you know what? I really can't remember anything. I, I, one was that I was so nervous. It was unbelievable. Um, everything was a blur. So I can't remember. I can remember slightly later matches, but that one, I know it was my debut, but really I don't remember anything about it. Um, out of pure fear, I think. Absolute <laughs> fear. <laughs> Eddie Mack was the manager at the time. What was he like as a coach to you? For me personally, brilliant. I, I, I probably was the last of what that team that year consisted of. All our, as I say, all our previous reserve team players. I was probably the last of that group to actually get in into the first team. Everyone else had got in. Ray, Ray Wilkins by then was was captain. Yeah. But when I I got in much later, but by then most of the guys had, had, had gone into the team and and were playing. So I was really the last one. And Eddie made it so easy for me because he used to talk to me all the time, saying, "Listen, you know," he used to say to me, "You're the you're the one I've been waiting for to come through, whether it be I was or not. I probably wasn't." But he was doing his job as manager, building me up. Listen, I've been waiting for you to mature, and I think you're ready and you're going. And you're going to be my my missing man that I've been wanting to have. Uh, so I went in all five foot seven of me, six foot tall, because uh, Ed was great at building people up. He really was, and he was he was great to play for because he never highlighted mistakes. He's always the best bits of your game, and you know would gently bring you around to what you weren't quite doing well enough and uh, for you, for us young group he was the perfect manager and you featured quite regularly for Chelsea in the latter part of that season that must have given you a huge confidence boost in your own self knowing that you was able to come in straight away and blend in straight away with the regular Chelsea players yeah I mean I, I think I played the last eight or eight or nine games whatever um, and when I when I did get in, he did say to me, Eddie, that he said, "Listen, you know, you're going to get a little game of uh, run of games now. 
going to stick with you. So don't, you know, I'm not going to sort of put you in for one and bring you out. I'm going to put you in and see how you go. And he did. And that, that was a great boost. I must admit, when we come back for pre-season the following year, I still had my doubts whether I would play, uh, even though I'd finished the season, the season before. I did have a few doubts, but it, we went out to, I think, um, Sweden for pre-season tour and, and I virtually played every game. So I knew I had a, a great chance of starting the season, which I did, obviously. Do you remember what the expectations was going into that season from the summer? You know, as you said, you've sort of come in, you've played regularly, you've got the established players there, as you said, like Ray Wilkins. Was there an expectation on the club that we've got to get ourselves promoted because we shouldn't be in the second division for this long? I think it was... uh, I don't think there was expectation. I think that what we knew was that this season was going to be really different because out had gone all the players that I previously mentioned, you know, the Aussies and everyone, all the stars of that team. We were a magnificent team. I mean, growing up in the shadow of that team was very hard because you never felt you you were going to get a chance because they were only young players, most of them. They were only mid-20s. So as a youngster following, you're playing in the reserves, you think, I've got absolutely no chance of playing. Our fortune was Chelsea's misfortune because the stand that was being built caused money problems. And because of that, they had to sell the big stars to to pay for the club to to keep afloat. And obviously they went down uh, the season before, the two seasons before. And, and, you know, it was in a pretty bad way. I mean, remember during that, this period, we had the cash for Chelsea going on where, they were holding blankets out and the supporters were throwing money in the blankets before the game. That That's where we were. So expectation probably was the wrong word. I think it was more hope that he could put all these youngsters in and and try to get out of the division. To us, we were just praying that um, there wasn't too much expectation because, you know, none of us had had any sort of experience apart from Ray. Um, so we were just going in there starting the season thinking, you know, we hope that we can do something, you know, and get in there. I think getting promotion that year, if we're all honest, I don't think any of us thought going into the uh, that season that we would get up. Um, but we soon realised after probably 10, 12 games, when we were, you know, doing reasonably well, we'd played most of what we thought was going to be the main teams up 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 the top and uh, I think the confidence grew with that and uh, we got better and better as all young teams do we had our you know erratic performances but I think halfway through the season we realised that promotion was on which was a great feeling and you managed to score your first goal for Chelsea against Cardiff in that October that must have been a relief for you to finally get off the mark for Chelsea? Well, it was wonderful. But if you look at my goal-scoring record, <laughs> two seasons <laughs> about my mark. Uh, Eddie McCready always used to say to me, listen, when it comes to goal-scoring, um, you let other people get on with all of that. <laughs> so I, uh, he never put me under pressure. He liked me to back the play up. He didn't like me to go beyond, which is great because that's not my game. So I always back. And basically he said to me, listen, you're in there to win the ball. And you give it to 
Ray Wilkins and that's your job, basically, to do. So I was under no illusions that the goal-scoring thing, a bit was, you know, pressure on me to score because there never was. I just had to do my job holding in midfield. Um, but I must admit, nothing gave me more pleasure. I still uh, watch the goal occasionally. My son's always uh, managed to pop it up in conversation somehow. Uh, and it was nice because it was it was on TV that, that weekend. And it was with my, my left foot, which is my swinger, uh, but managed to find the net. So, yeah, well, it was one. And we won the game, of course, which is the main main thing. So yeah, it was a, it was a lovely moment, and uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And back then, what was it like to play in front of that Stamford Bridge crowd? Because the attendances and were a lot different to what it is now, and obviously the shed end was a lot bigger than what it is now as well. Yeah, absolutely magnificent. And Chelsea always had a vocal crowd, still still do. Um, always got behind the team. I thought. Um, once it, it gained momentum that season, the crowds got noisier and noisier because I think that they, they were witnessing something that probably they didn't expect at the start of the season. This young team going in, virtually no experience, you know, finding themselves at the top of the league. And it was amazing because the, the atmosphere was always brilliant. I remember our Boxing Day game against Fulham. Um, we had a little computer inside the dressing room. As you come out of the dressing room, there was a computer and literally give you the uh, how many in each section. So you and at the bottom was the total of how many was in there. But we when we came in, um, went out and had a little walk around. When we come in, I think an hour before kickoff, there was over thirty thousand there, and we we couldn't believe it. We're thinking this is and in the end, it was a fifty six thousand all you know complete sellout crowd. And the noise that day was was incredible. And I think we won two nil, and uh, it was a it was a brilliant brilliant atmosphere. And as all the games were, you know, the Chelsea fans are terrific when they get behind the team. And there was one game in particular that sort of helped Chelsea propel themselves to the promotional places, and that was the win against Nottingham Forest. How yeah. important was that? Bearing in mind that Forest were sort of trying to get promoted as well. And there was goals for me in Britain and Steve Finiston, who had a great season goal scoring that, that time. Yeah, Steve Steve had a brilliant season that year. Steve was a, a true goal scorer. You know, a lot of his goals were in the in the six yard box. He was that sort of person, always in the right place at the right time. And Steve and I were were really good friends off the pitch. And uh, if you see the goal celebrations, I'm usually jumping on his back first. Uh, because, you know, he was such a great character. But Forrest that year, I think um, a lot of people don't realise is that the following year, I think Forrest won the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the following year, maybe the year after that. But Forrest were up there and, of course, had an established side and an established manager. And, uh, yeah, remember remember the game. Um, I thought we were slightly lucky to win it, if I'm absolutely truthful. Um but we won it, and uh, you know it was a it was a big win for us. And then a few weeks later, Chelsea finally achieved promotion. It was confirmed with the draw one all against Wolves. That yeah. must have been a big moment for you as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. Really, um, 
it was a sort of a standoff game because they obviously needed a point to win the championship and we needed a point yeah. to make sure we'd go off. So it was a bit of a standoff going on. Uh, once we knew that 1-1 one, one would suit us both. Um, but listen, it was uh, it was just incredible. And uh, we had a fantastic night that night. I remember Steve Finneson broke his nose during the game and I just kept going round behind him and pinching his nose, which... Uh, he still reminds me of, but uh, <laughs> you know, we had a great night. It was it, it was brilliant, and uh, you know, lovely, lovely to look back on it. You know, this superb. And where does that promotion rank in your long list of achievements as a player? Um, first, uh, I think it's easily um, number one. I played every second of it, of every game in the in the uh, in the game, which. Is a nice record to have, you know. That's that's something I'm very proud of. Um, but to get Chelsea into back into what is now the big league, the Premier League, now um, with a, a, a team of youngsters who just scrapped and fought for each other, and you know, it was uh, it was really brilliant. And we'd all grown up with each other, so to to finish with promotion was um, was very special. And the final game of that season was something quite extraordinary to watch. I know they've sort of had like the highlights of it on ITV4. It was the game against Hull where Chelsea yeah. won 4-0. What was that like to play on that day? Because fans would come onto the pitch to celebrate after each goal and it sort of got to the point where Eddie would go on the microphone and yeah. try and plead with the Chelsea supporters to stop coming on the pitch, otherwise the game would be abandoned. What was that sort of uh, occasion like to be part of? Well, it was one of them occasions where, yes, we know the fans shouldn't come on, but, you know, it was a special occasion. Um, but um, it, it, to be honest, um, the referee and the was, was getting a little bit um, annoyed at what was going on. And I, I don't think we were far away from that being abandoned. Um, I mean, he basically said, "Look, I'm not going to let it happen again. Next time we go off, we're staying off." So I think there was all that going on, and that's what prompted Eddie to go on the pitch and say, "Look, you know, we appreciate your support, but please keep off the pitch. Let us finish the game. Let us celebrate after the game, sort of thing." Which um, thankfully we did, but it was lovely because we all got introduced going on to the pitch, and uh, and the pressure was off us. You know, we could just go out and enjoy ourselves and. Uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant day. Bit of a shock that came a few months later. Eddie McCready left the club with Kim <clears throat> Chiletto taking over. At the time, what was your reaction to that? Um, I think it was Mickey Droy who phoned me. Uh, we were completely unaware which players are. I mean, you, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the manager and. You know, it's uh, it's probably best that you don't sometimes. But <clears throat> we had no idea Eddie was um, having problems with his contracts. And I think the first I heard about it, I think it, I think it was Mickey Troy. Mickey phoned me and just said, listen, I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, Eddie's left. He's gone. And uh, Phil just seen him what he thought was the, the reasons. And we was all wondering if we could do something, but there wasn't much we could do. They were... By now, I think they'd appointed Ken. So, I mean, it, it was it was a big shock because Eddie had put so much faith in all of us and I think had 
had raised everyone's performance with his the fact that he was so confident in your ability and had that had that unique um, talent to to make players better than they were, you know. And uh, uh, so to lose him was um, was a was a blow. It was a big blow. It come to a big shock to to all of us. And um, you know, we did catch up with Eddie when he wrote his book. Uh, when he came over to England uh, a few years ago, and um, you know, he's still still sort of quite sad when you see him that he he didn't have a chance to to you know do what he was good at in in the top division. Hmm. The next season, back in the first division, you scored in the first home game. How yeah. big of a difference was the standard between the first division and the second division to you at that stage? Yeah, I think uh, as it is now, probably now is it, it's a bigger gap now. I think the difference between Premier League now and the Championship is absolutely enormous now. Um, but in them days, there was still a significant gap in in the differences in standards. So you know, you you had to. It really did stretch you. And those, you know, and I, I think if I'm really honest. I think that probably I was just a little bit short of a Premiership player. I think a Championship player and a good Championship player, um, I think, if I'm honest, is probably um, where I was. Where I was um, the Premiership, I found incredibly hard. I think a lot of the lads did, to be honest, and particularly as we didn't have too much experience in the team. One or two players were brought back to add that experience, but. They were probably too experienced by then, you know. They'd had their day, so it was a difficult one. And of course, we, as I mentioned before, we'd had virtually three or four years of, you know, winning chat, winning the uh, league in the southeast counties in the football combination. Then going up with the first team, it was our first season where we weren't winning more than we were losing, and uh, and it was tough. It was tough. But the goal I remember was against Birmingham, and right. uh, yeah, and it was absolutely torrential. I think nowadays I don't think the game would have started. Uh, nowadays they're so sensitive about it. There's puddles on the pitch and everything, and I, I, I've never seen it. But I always remember just sliding in and uh, deflecting the goal in. So yeah, very good. And we did pick up some good wins that season against Man United and Nottingham Forest again. Did you believe Chelsea would push on and do well that particular season, being a promoted side? I thought that uh, a good season would be um, to survive and to see if we could get ourselves in that mid position. That for me was would have would have been a really good season. I think that you know we, although we were clear of the relegation, it wasn't wasn't by a great deal, but we, I think we we did enough and there was enough hope. In some of the performances, that um, you know we could we could do well as we got more experienced. Um, but I didn't really have too much more after that that season uh, before I moved on. Well, the next season was one of real disappointment for the club. They only had barely picked up five league wins all season. Were yeah. you surprised with that sort of poor form, considering the team we had? Yeah, I think I think the cracks began to show. I think that um, you know the team was being chopped and changed a lot to try and find a winning formula. 
Um, but no, I think that things were, for me personally, I think I only played in, in 10 of the games, I think up to Christmas. And then Danny Blanchflower uh, told me I was, he wanted me to move on. Um, but it was tough. And the, and the thing is with any division, if you start the season um, down the bottom, it's, it gets progressively harder as the season goes on because you're looking from the bottom up and every game seems to be, you know, so hard. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult, it was a very difficult season. And, you know, when Danny Blanchfair came in, he had, his, he had his work cut out, to be honest. Well, before you came in, obviously Ken was still at the, at the helm of uh, Chelsea. Did you have any discussions with him because of the lack of first-team football that you were getting at that period? Yeah, I, 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 Ken was one of them, them blokes that, um, you know, he's sadly not with us now, but Ken was my youth team manager. And I, I owe, if any person I owe um, for my career, um, particularly the start of it, was Ken. Ken was fantastic with the with the, with us boys, with our youngsters, and uh, really good. But I think that um, the job become very difficult. I think even really experienced managers would have struggled. I think basically that the squad wasn't wasn't good enough. Uh, if I'm truthful, absolutely truthful. <clears throat> so when Danny come in, it was always going to be a tall order, and uh, I think that he had to sell to generate any funds that he could buy players with, which again is a tough, tough position to be in where, you know, you you just can't go out and add, add to the squad. You've got to sell someone to, to bring someone in. And, you know, that's, that's difficult. So, and Danny had to do that. So he had to make a quick decision. And I remember, I think it was six of us that he, he uh, bought into the office and told that, you know, after having a look and assessing the squad, that these boys would be the ones that, you know, he'd like to move on and bring someone else in. And I was one of them six. So, yeah, it broke my heart, but um, I wasn't totally surprised. And the one thing I will say is that Danny was was um, 100% truthful when you went in. He, did, he didn't give you any false hope or anything like that. He said, listen, I've made my decision. I know it. you won't like it, but I think it's best that, you know, you move on and I need the money that you generate to, to buy someone else. So, uh, which was fair enough. As, a, as, as I've been a manager now, I think that's the only way you can be is, is, is honest. Trying to, trying to kid players doesn't work. It's best to be honest with them and blunt, even if it's bad news and the player doesn't want to hear it. And you've mentioned the turmoil that was surrounding Chelsea at that time. You know, as you say, Danny Blanchflower comes in at the same time. Peter Osgood returns from his stint in America. Kenny Swain leaves to join Aston Villa. And as you say, Steve Wicks then left. And then a couple of months later, sort of you, you left. The dressing room must not have been harmonious as it once was. Yeah, I think, you, I think sometimes, you know, you have to be brutal and break the squad up. Because if the squad's not working, even if it's worked in the past, everything as its shelf life and you know it wasn't working it just wasn't working the blend wasn't there um maybe the promise that some of the players had shown didn't materialize to what you would have liked liked to have, have done um so there was there's always there's never just one reason why things go wrong it's always lots of different reasons 
And I think there was, it was a big job for Danny to try and sort out. And, you know, as you mentioned, the boys that, that moved on there, um, he needed to do it to bring players in. Uh, so that's a sort of a, an added pressure. So I think all there's loads, loads of reasons why it didn't happen. And, um, I mean, to blame Danny would be would be very wrong. You know, he just came into a quite a bad situation. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a tough season, very tough season that year. I, I think I went in uh, January um, that year or, or that season, <coughs> so um, missed the missed the end of the season. But uh, it was always going to be a tough one. You went to join Vancouver Whitecaps, and I believe the fee from what I was doing on the research was around forty thousand pounds. How did that move come about for you? Well, I was playing in a reserve game, a friendly reserve game at Richardson Evans against Fulham for Chelsea, and uh, there was a guy called Tony Waiters who I didn't know at the time, but he was there, um, who was manager of Vancouver Whitecaps, and. Uh, he asked permission to speak to me after the game and he had a quiet word with me and just said, look, um, manager of Vancouver Whitecaps, I'd love to take you over. Um, we would make it a three-year contract, but after a year, if you didn't like it, you could get out of it. Um, so that was, uh, that was sort of like a get-out clause to, you know, protect myself. Um, and he said, if... Uh, if you decided to stay the three years, then when the season finishes, because it was quite a short season, basically between March and September. Um, and if, if you wanted to, you could come back on loan to certain, to English clubs uh, and play. So you're still getting your face shown. So I was only uh, 22, 23. Uh, so I came back and, and spoke to uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, and said, what do you think? And we said, let's go for it. You know, it was, um, it was a bit of a, bit of a risk. I must admit, going back, I was surprised I took it so, so quickly, but I went out there and, uh, it was a fantastic six months. I mean, Vancouver itself is a beautiful place to anyone that's ever been there. It's a magnificent place, uh, scenic city. Um, but the football was good and we actually won the soccer bowl that year. Um, just to, Make it even better. So it was a it was a brilliant season, mostly British team. We were rank outsiders um, before the season started. I think we were second from bottom um, in terms of uh, who's got a chance to win the soccer bowl. Uh, but we ended up winning it, which was brilliant. Now, Ray, I'd like to sort of move on to more. Current events, and the one sort of in particular that I've asked all my guests on on the Blue Day podcast has been getting their thoughts on VAR. Now, obviously, with your role at the moment, I'm assuming it's sort of something that is a bit maybe a touchy subject. But in in any case, what has been your thoughts on VAR? Are you opposed to it? Are you sort of for it? Well, I must admit, I'm I'm not a fan to be honest. But I think the reasons why we got VAR. Um, shouldn't be lost. The VAR was brought in because television was actually crucifying referees and linesmen and were drawing lines across and highlighting their decisions. So once you start doing that, it's inevitable that something's got to be done. So I think the reasons for it, it's nothing to do with VAR. The reasons was that 
with officials who were getting slaughtered every week. Um, but now that we've lost that human element, it seems too clinical to me. You know, these lines go up and people say, well, it's only their finger. But if you just, if you draw a line, it doesn't matter which part of the body is over that line, it's over the line. So now you get these clinical decisions um, that have been forced upon them. And for me, it's taken it's taken the human element away a little bit. Um, the same with handballs. I'm the same with handballs. I think that we get these ludicrous decisions now where someone smashes a ball from a, a metre away and it hits someone in the arm and somehow they've invented this unnatural arm position that doesn't exist. I mean, you try keeping your hands by your side while someone's smashing a ball at your face. Um, if you got, don't lift your arms, the same thing with jumping. You can't, you can't but help jumping. Your arms are your elevation. Yeah. Uh, and yet we get these ludicrous um, decisions now where, where games are won on these penalties. And I mean, I just don't think it makes for a good game. I just think that it doesn't. I mean, you, you, you sort of feel cheated that, I know it goes both ways as well, but um, I just don't think football's helping itself, to be honest. Interesting take on the VAR as well. And I know that a lot of people are still against it and we'll have to sort of see whether or not in the summer there'll be more coaching with the referees or more coaching with the people at Stockley Park. We'll see. But just a couple more questions, Ray, before we finish. Just wanted to get your take on... Chelsea of 2022. It's certainly been an interesting season. It's not been a quiet one for the club. Possible takeover talks, potentially. We're not sure whether or not it's going to be completely confirmed yet. They just had the FA Cup final. Um, As of recording this, they've guaranteed themselves a spot in the Champions League after Arsenal lost. But what's what's been your thoughts on the outside of how Chelsea have done this season? Well, I think from where I'm standing, and, and bear in mind that I'm playing against them on Sunday, so uh, Chelsea is still a formidable side. Now, there's obviously been a lot of turmoil in the background, and it's impossible for people outside, and I am outside, I'm not inside, um, to actually evaluate what effect that has on the, on the playing squad and everything else. It's very difficult to do that. But what you do know that probably there are things going on in the background. That's that's for sure. And that can't be helpful to to the uh, the manager, the head coach and, and the players uh, when you've got all this in, in the background. It shouldn't affect them, but um, I just think that it's inevitable that it does when there's all the speculation about everything else. That's no excuse for Chelsea because... And when you come to, come to it, is that this this country now has got some of the best club sides in the world: um, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and, you, and you're not even including clubs like Manchester United and Arsenal at the moment, who are going through difficult patches. But they'll come back. There's that you know they'll they'll come back in there. Spurs. I mean, it is an incredibly hard league. So. Of course, Chelsea want to win the league. There's, there's no doubt about that. But while, while you're looking at the overall picture of what's happening with Chelsea, getting into the Champions League is, is, is very good. 
they're there next year. Everyone else would love to be in Chelsea's position. And hopefully the stuff off it calms down, it gets resolved, and then Chelsea can move on. But what a lovely position to move on from. Third in the league, in the Champions League. All right, lost lost in the cup final, but on penalties. Um, lost in the League Cup final on penalties. I mean, it's not been a bad season. If it, whichever way you look at it, of course, Chelsea supporters want to see them win. But I, I, I think they're doing really well, to be honest. And finally, Ray, how do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Uh, pure pleasure. Uh, remember, my first day at Chelsea was when I was 10 years old at Stamford Bridge for a training session. Um, sat next to Ray Wilkins, who became become um, a lifelong friend. Uh, we started actually on the same day and we had so many things in common, both small midfield players, uh, both had uh, big families. We were both one of six, uh, both never had too much money. You had all the other kids in smart clothes. We were two little scruffy urchins. Uh, and from that day on, all the way through with all the players that we teamed up with in, as apprentices and then on to being pro, it was, it was absolutely a dream come true. All my, my immediate family and friends, I would say 95% of Chelsea supporters, so me actually playing for the team that all my, all my family and, and people that I knew supported was absolutely brilliant. I would have liked to have lasted a little bit longer, but um, I don't think I was quite good enough. But um, absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, stays with you for life. Well, Ray, you've been good enough for the Blue Day podcast, that's for sure. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I've enjoyed listening to your stories and your take on your Chelsea career. I would wish you luck on Sunday, but I'm going to be there. So I'll just wish you well. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) But it's been a pleasure, Ray. And hopefully sort of after this season, we'll see see you down the bridge quite soon. Yeah, certainly will do. Thank you very much. 